This is a Media Lab podcast. Welcome to Kyle and Dave versus the Machine. My name is Kyle. And I'm Dave. And I'm the Machine. Should we do something Rocky themed there? No. I missed it. You missed it. You you fumbled that um, spectacularly. Shouldn't it be like in the red corner, wearing oh, yeah. the blue shorts right? at 212 pounds? 212, Kyle. <laughs> wow. <Nice>. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Dave, you put on some weight. This is a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. This year happens to be 1982. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film Rocky Three. You had that eye of the tiger, man, the itch. And now you've got to get it back. And the way to get it back is to go back to the beginning. You know what I mean? United Artists and Chartoff Winkler proudly present Rocky Three. The worst thing happened to you that could happen to any fighter. You got civilized. Get out of here, will you? The truth is, we both started out on the same corner, and I got lucky with my life, and it's driving you nuts. Philadelphia, So, of course, a big thank you to our patrons over on Patreon. Their contributions help us continue the show, since, you know, the machine doesn't help us pay for these movies. Plus, each month we do a bonus episode over there. We're going to be talking about the Bruce Lee film, The Big Boss, from 1971, so... That is what we're doing over there this month. But before we get to talking about this week's film, we have, of course, a special guest here this week, Jennifer Sanford. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. You are probably the biggest Rocky fan that I know. Yes. You talk about it all the time, all incessantly. The time. <laughs> uh, to, to the event that I'm a bit weirded out by it. But regardless, <laughs> oh, you, thanks. you are a big Rocky fan. You've been on the show before. The last time you were here, you tried to usurp Dave. You tried to push him out of the way. Is that how you pronounce it? Sure. We're going to say so. It's usurp. Yeah. Usurp. It's usurp. usurp. I cannot believe all the usurping that is happening on this podcast. <laughs> oh, boy. Ooh, is there two O's in it? Um, but thank you. I, I don't know why the machine still allows you to keep coming through this interdimensional portal, but here you are. I am. Yeah, here I am. Thanks to the machine and thanks to both of you for having me here. I am the biggest Rocky fan. I come by it naturally. Uh, it's a big family film. You know how some families like gathered together and watched The Wizard of Oz? We right. watched Rocky. <laughs> the first one, I'm assuming. Rocky right? 1, 3, and 4, which is how God one, intended it. 3, and 4. Okay, mm. we'll get into that in a moment, mm. but we probably should... Just very briefly here at the beginning of the show, Dave, you know, we have this deep and rich fiction that we continue oh, yeah. to build no, each and every week this. on this yeah. podcast. Enthralling. <laughs> Everyone is on the edge of their seats. So what will happen next? Right. You know that we got that cryptic note from DDS, DDS about preparing for like some sort of like match or like fight or something like that in a is boxing it, ring. Do you remember that, this? No. Is that what we talked about last week? <laughs> Literally, yes. Okay. Literally, yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I remember. A, bo- a, f- a match. Yeah, but that's what happened after this podcast, so I guess we'll have to figure out who won next week. So that's the foreshadowing, and we'll pay it off that everyone will be happy with Yeah, no, it's going to work. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. excited to find out 
about where that goes. There's no way you win a boxing match with those puny arms. Jen, last week, Dave and I had another guest and we talked about Sylvester Stallone because we watched First Blood, the other film of his that came out in 1982. It was actually a big one-two punch a little bit because I believe First Blood comes out October. This comes out in November. So in a month period, you have these two huge movies with Sylvester Stallone. We talked about last week our history with Sylvester Stallone, but I'd love to know your history with Sylvester Stallone. So, like, I watched Rocky when I was really little Mm -hmm. because I'm very young, obviously. And as I mentioned, it was like a big family film, and Mm -hmm. and I have a brother who's nine years older. This was like a huge film that we watched, and I was like, Sylvester Stallone is Rocky. And I think it's important to note that I've never seen another Sylvester Stallone film. I only Wait, associate ever? him. Nope, in, not in another life? one. In my life, I only associate Sylvester Stallone what? as this Rocky. This is so funny to me. Wait, 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 wait. This is the bonkers thing to me. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You haven't seen Demolition Man? You nope. haven't seen Rambo? Nope. You haven't seen uh, Tango and Cash? Nope. Oh my nope, God. Nope, I've just seen you all of the Rockies and then all of the Creeds. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wow. So is it at this point you refuse to see another movie or it's just like, you know, at this point it just hasn't happened. So I'm not going to force it. You know, I think that like I feel such a like an emotional connection to the character of Rocky. I'm so forgivable about his flaws. I'm so such a fierce defender of the film. Like when people talk shit about it, I'm mm-hmm. just like, you're shit. <laughs> and I like, who talks shit about Rocky? I, well, I, I think you're gonna I'm talk worried about shit. You're gonna Dave. talk shit about Rocky, but wait, wait. Uh, yeah, well, not one. <laughs> yeah, well, but I think I I just feel such a connection to this to this you know to to Sylvester Stallone as as Rocky Balboa mm-hmm. that I think I just you know the idea of seeing him doing something else feels like watching. You know, if Santa Claus was like, I'm also the Easter Bunny, you'd be like, piss off. You are not. <laughs> Get out of my face. Get out. But you have then seen every Rocky film, correct? Yes, of course. Okay. Yes. But you yes. have your favorites then. So how would you order your favorites? Like, how would you rank the series? If I'm not, if I'm just doing like the six Rocky sure. films and we're yeah. leaving the Creed films out of the, out of it, I would say that my, my obviously my favorite is Rocky, the original yeah. Rocky one, and then Rocky three, okay. and then Rocky four. And three and four are, you know, pretty close. Mm. And then I think the last one, like the Rocky Balboa, and then Rocky Five, and then I don't acknowledge Rocky Two as a film. Really? No, it's that bad. It's just Whoa. that bad. Okay, I, I'm. That's going to be the biggest division I think on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, I think that they take him on a weird character arc that it, it takes. I think that's why there's a third film is because it's like, I don't like the character arc that he goes on. To, I think he does unnatural fair, things. To be fair, they kind of disregard the second movie and the third one anyways. They yeah, kind of just sure forget do. about certain plot lines that are very important in the yeah, second film. Yeah, they sure do. Okay, interesting. I think I have such an outlier opinion on how I order the Rocky films. Really? Because five is the best. No, I'm just, uh, but Dave, I want to know your ranking first and then like your history with the Rocky franchise. Well, Rocky is, yeah, one of the greatest films of all time. So Rocky goes number one. I really enjoyed Rocky Balboa, so I might put that in my second position. I uh, liked Rocky two. That might be third. I grew up with Rocky four, which is largely considered the dumbest one, but Drago's Drago, so that's got to go. 
then three, and five is the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen. Tommy Gunn. It really like, is why? bad. Yeah. Why? Like, there's one fight in a in an alley in an alleyway. It's embarrassing. I think yeah. is that the one where he hooks under his knee to like yeah. I think the awful. biggest problem with Rocky Five. I'm going to speak on behalf of the whole podcast. Apparently, for me, I think the biggest issue with Rocky Five is that it deviates too much from the formula. You might be able to criticize Rocky three and four for sticking too much to a formula, but Rocky five goes in such a weird alternate direction that it doesn't even feel like a Rocky movie anymore no. to me. So yes, definitely at the bottom of my list. But Drama I think fail. the challenge with, with Rocky five, which I'm aware we're not here to talk about, but the challenge with Rocky five is that if you look at it from the hero's journey, it's like, you know, poor man lives his dream in Rocky one but doesn't achieve his dream. Therefore, the dream is achieved in Rocky Two. Then we have to show that the hero's journey is not complete. Right. So we have Rocky Three. Then Rocky needs a challenge, right? He's doing what I like to call the theatrical Tom Cruise, which is <laughs> I'm not too old for this and, right. and try to f catch some cultural relevance, right? With the relationship between the United States and Russia at the time. And then Rocky Five is like, hey, I think Sylvester Stallone needs money. Like that's the challenge with it is that mm -hmm. it takes it out of its own hero's journey because it's like right. we can make this profitable. And you know that the the whole nature of Rocky Five was why we have Rocky Balboa because Rocky Balboa was like we we have to salvage the franchise. It yeah, can't end like kind. this, right? There's a little part of me though, even though as much as I actually really love Rocky Balboa, the movie Rocky Balboa, I hate that it's called Rocky Balboa. Yeah, me too. Because it ruins the the series names. Well, what, we made what fun. would you what would you call it? Rock, call it Rocky, Rocky, Six. Rocky Six. Rocky Six. No, no, that sounds like he's going to go in the ring. Just call it Rocky I mean, Six Colin Balboa if you absolutely Balboa. need to have like a longer title. Because you could have even just called it Balboa. Maybe even that. Maybe that yeah. would have even been yeah. Been Balboa better. is pretty good because it's we made fun of. Uh, last week about the Rambo franchise naming, which is like <laughs> totally bonkers crazy. <laughs> it sure is. The, the series where the film that's called Rambo it's comes not. after Rambo 3. <laughs> that's how wild yeah. that naming system yeah. has. Regardless, this one has, it's so clean. Like if you have like all those DVDs or Blu-rays up on your shelf, it's like Rambo, Roman Rocky numerals. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And then Rocky Balboa to finish it all off. And it just is too, too bad. Plus, why did we get away from Roman numerals? Can I just make a stand? I prefer the Roman numerals. Hey, I love it. I love it. I think it's great. The 80s were the last time they were used. It was mm -hmm. like, as soon as we hit the 90s, it was like, no, numbers. That's all we're going to use numbers. We got from dumber. Now. But That's the Roman culture. numerals came back for Creed. Creed 1, that 2, is true. Three, they're back for that. Yeah. There's a third one coming. The second yeah, one is they not are making very it good. currently. We kind of cut you off here, though, Dave, just to finish this off. What uh, any other history with the actual franchise itself? I mean, the I think the first one I watched on VHS was three or four. But four we had taped off of taped for all our younger video uh, listeners. Sorry. Taped for all our younger listeners is they used to broadcast it on television. That was on a cathode ray tube. And they had a machine called a VCR, a video cassette recorder. And you could program it by pressing a physical button and put it on a cassette and you could tape television shows. Yeah. And that's what you used to fight with your siblings about because somebody exactly. always taped over MASH and somebody yeah. always taped over grandma's wedding video. And yeah. somebody, with like, MASH. It was, it and... was bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my brother and I would do this nerdy thing in the end when we got very proficient at it, where we would watch the movie at the time and pause during the commercials, the recordings. Oh, that yeah. We'd get, so you cut out the right? commercials. Yeah, yeah, seamless. So Rocky IV was one of those uh, for us. So I've watched Drago, I don't know, I mean, wore that tape out. Um, 
I think well, I why watched. Why don't you marry Drago? The amount of times you've mentioned him this this Dolph episode is, already. Dolph is great. I mean, and you know you're iconic when it comes back into the new franchise. That's right? true. When it comes back into Creed, you know it's you know it's iconic. I don't think I watched original Rocky probably till I was in my teens and rented it because that was not shown on television very often uh, to my memory. And I do acknowledge it too is not as good. I mean, why have sequels in general? The first movie is nearly perfect. Just leave it. Just leave it alone. But, it's uh, uh, it's yeah. because of money, Dave. They make money. Um, yeah. So uh, the Rocky I grew up was largely shredded and had uh, too many abs. And then I discovered it was based on a good movie. So that's kind mm-hmm. of my, my uh, relationship with Rocky. You know, this is interesting. We have somewhat of a similar backstory to the Rocky franchise here then. Because three and four were definitely my first introduction to the character. I don't like uh, speaking about my history as a jock, but um, I, I wasn't- <laughs> Sorry. Fr- I was- Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> See, it's funny now, because people are like, no. But I was a I was on the football team in, in, in high school. Uh-huh. And on away games, like it was like, it was either, I don't know, any given Sunday or some sort of sports movie they would put on, literally into a VHS player that played on the, the bus. Um, on the bus, on the yeah. bus, you know. But Rocky three and four were staples, so I saw these like repeatedly. And, which is funny is like you only have Rocky three and four you're watching because you kind of envision that the whole series is exactly that. Mm-hmm. What, what I'm also going to pause it right at the beginning here. This is going to be my thesis for this entire podcast, Ooh, which is so. I my 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 opinion is that Rocky three is not the best Rocky film, but is like the perfect distillation of Rocky. Like it is the most Rocky of Rocky films. Uh, I really do think that if you just said, you know, Rocky, the movie Rocky, this is the movie most people think about. It's like three and four kind of combined together. Like those are the moments people instantly gravitate to for whatever reason, good or bad. These are the movies that they think about. And I was aware of the first one. I'd seen clips of the first one. But just like you, Dave, it took me a while to actually view the first Rocky film in in total. When did Creed come out? Like 2015, 2014, somewhere around there? Yeah, somewhere around there, yeah. When Creed was I coming think it was out, 2016 or 2017. 2016, I think. Whenever it came out. <laughs> uh, I like to do these little challenges for myself each year of like, um, I'm going to watch this each whole year, movie series, week. right? So in preparation for Creed coming out, I was like, well, I might as well watch these six Rocky movies then and see the ones I haven't seen before. And that was really, I think, the first time I sat down and watched Rocky, the first Rocky, just in total oh, from start really? to back. Yeah. In 2015. I'm pretty sure. Like, again, I had seen clips. Like, I knew what the storyline was. Wow. Um, for some okay. reason, like, the, the skating scene stands out. That I actually knew that skating scene, like, really well. YouTube maybe? Bird just hit the window. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're really mad at us. We're talking about Rocky out here. Amazing. But, yeah, like, that was definitely my first time seeing Rocky two. First time seeing Rocky five. First time seeing Rocky Balboa. 100% was back when, when Creed, the first Creed was coming out. And so it's really fascinating to watch this series like within a week of one another because I actually don't think these films are made to be watched back to back to back. Like not really. There's a lot of things that they decide not to carry forward into the sequels. Um, And I don't know if it was just like because I did cram it all in. But for me, it sounds like Dave, you kind of agree with me. The first Rocky obviously is my favorite. I think it's an for me, a near perfect film. But my second is Rocky Balboa. I actually like it that much. I think it's so good. Really? I just like seeing old Rocky. And I actually, 
is it's the only one of the movies that actually made me cry the first mm-hmm. time I watched it is when he takes that chair down and, and sits in front of Adrian's grave. Spoiler alert. Um, no, way to ruin a movie, Kyle. Yeah, way to ruin a movie. Way to go, Kyle. But it's just like, he's so sweet. And I actually thought it's like, oh, you, like Sylvester Stallone, I think has these moments of great acting instincts throughout this series. And I think Rocky Balboa is the one that's like, no, you're pitch perfect from start to finish. Like no notes. (laughs) I think that that grief as an older man just somehow like emanates from him in a really special way. We'll see if I continue to agree with this, but I've always felt like, Rocky three is is fine. Like I enjoy it. It's definitely rewatchable from my memory. And then I have this really counter opinion, especially if you look online and reviews and average scores. I really don't like Rocky four. Get out. It's always bothered <laughs> me the out. most. No, she's saying get, get out. out of the room. Just get, get out. out. Oh, bye, bye everyone. Get We're out. done. So Jen, uh, now that you're taking over the podcast, um, Rocky four. Right. But, but Rocky Five is definitely on the bottom of that list. I mean, list, he but works I, out in a farm in Siberia, Kyle. Like, yeah, but he's but he the, grows the movie a beard. Basically, the movie basically says, "And his good boxing solves communism," and that just always rubs me the wrong That's way. No, I think that you have to understand the time and period that that film mm-hmm. came out, which was, you know, of course, there being so much anti-Russian sentiment. Sure. The you know the what was that hockey team like the U.S. Russia miracle on ice? ice. You know, there was, there was so much to be said around, you know, a a clearly defined villain that Americans were so rallied around and that, that film lived in that space. I still don't like Rocky (laughs) four, but Drago is great. Drago is a great villain. I'll I'll give you that. And you have Brigitte Nielsen in that Mm -hmm. too, who did marry Sylvester Stallone for a couple of years. So she looks, she looks small. Which is crazy because she's not a small lady, but uh, Dolph is a big boy. Mm-hmm. Not as big as Hulk, as we'll find out, but that's a whole yeah, well, yeah. Hulk needs to give you pointers on growing your pythons. Crazy looking into it here this week, how many things this movie inspires. Mm-hmm. Like, it is crazy to me totally. how this is like on the cusp of a bunch of things like breaking huge is mm-hmm. Rocky Three, But again, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, just briefly, from your memory, before we go and watch this film... Uh, any special notes or special memories you have about Rocky Three, Jen? There are so many. And of course, being, you know, the film nerd that I am, you know, I learned and learned and learned about, you know, what happened putting this film together. Like you right. learn the stories behind the stories because, you know, you have to remember at the beginning of Rocky Three, when you see that MGM tiger lion right. roar and you see that United Artists, the original pitchfork logo design that they had, you know, appear. You have to remember that those were such wild days of filmmaking, right? Where they had no time, no editing, no, you know, if things went awry, they just went awry. And you see a lot of that in the film. Right. And it was just like the, it was like the wild west of filmmaking. And that's so apparent in Rocky Three versus the others. Well, and, and not to sidetrack this here too much, but if you're a nerd like me about the history of specific studios. I don't know if this is the first film, but it's one of the first films after the MGM United Artists merger. So there's some weird stuff going on behind the scenes as well. But this movie kind of almost falling through. Anyways, there's a whole lot of stuff in the making of this movie. Uh, How about you, Dave? Any like special memories of Rocky three before we jump into watching it again? I guess I'll start off by saying that I'm cool. and knew nothing about the production companies. You nerds. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's fair the mgm lion Uh, dave no i'm um let me just think i mean i think kyle and i maybe off air a couple weeks ago i my uh i misremembered that this was the movie where he's in the car like really having a thought to himself while he's driving but i think that's four because he's Mm -hmm. uh 
Mm-hmm. You also thought called? this one was the one with the robot, and that's also Rocky. That's Four. also four. That's right. um, so this is the one thing that I know is uh, Mr. T and uh, hugging, dancing on a beach, and I think <laughs> that's the two things that I, ring true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do have to say <laughs> this is also because like I rewatched. Top oh, Gun recently. I knew you were going to bring because, up Top Gun. I knew you were going to bring up Top Gun. But like with with Top Gun in the 80s and this movie and I know there's another one I'm I'm trying to think of. Well, even the Tango and Cash to an extent mm-hmm. that it's also Sylvester Stallone. I'm sorry, but I know I love to read into things, but there is a bit of like this homoeroticism that permeates all of these stories whether they were meant to or not. It's just like dudes, like come on. There's a lot of hugging and sweating men and like yeah, in the ocean and the yeah, the jumping around. You don't really see that anymore. Like you'll see like a like a firm handshake or something like that, but you're not like seeing like half naked sweaty men like grasping yeah. onto each other. Yeah, at least not in the movies that we're going to review. Does and no mean... one's surprised that that's Kyle's takeaway from Rocky Three. <laughs> yeah. So, so did we thumbs get up? Honestly, it's <laughs> a sweaty man. Well, that's interesting because does that mean we became more prudish in the nineties? I think we did. I, yeah. This is this has been. This your and my fight since we started this podcast, where you hate any mention of sex at all in a movie, and right. I'm like, uh, I think there we just more watched a gay stuff. porn. <laughs> that is true. And we saw, did. I don't, has Jen heard about <laughs> pink narcissists? I spent Probably ninety not. minutes watching uh, Ejaculate. Yeah. There's a, a lot of naked men and ejaculate in that yeah. movie. Well, thanks for having me on. <laughs> Take good care, everybody. <laughs> yeah, she's closing up her binder. Okay, <laughs> then what we're going to do, uh, we're going to think to ourselves about ejaculate. And uh, <laughs> well, dancing she... in short shorts. Everybody wears a crop top in this. It's amazing. I think yes, I, I need to buy Bring one. Bring the crop top back. Well, I need abs uh, first. Kyle's got one on today. It's very uncomfortable for those of us in the studio. You need more core to pull that off, Kyle. I do. Just... I know. Uh, the machine has very nicely laid out some uh, era-appropriate snacks here oh, for God. you, Jen. So you can peruse the 1982 so like selection peanut. of snacks there. Dry peanut. <laughs> Dave and I are going to go and thank some sponsors. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit more about Rocky Three. When when did uh, Coke and Pepsi switch over to like high fructose corn syrup? In the 80s, mid 80s. Yeah. So 82 probably still had like real sugar. So it probably still tasted better back then. <gasps> I think it tastes better now. I, I don't drink. All right. Well, look at this. Ah, the sugar lobby is over here for us, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Uh, Colin Davis, the machine, of course, is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I like watching this screen because it looks like Jen's uh-huh. going to punch Kyle this episode. It's going to be great. Locally grown, community supported, <laughs> the Alberta Podcast Network promotes and supports Alberta made podcasts and connects their audiences with Alberta based businesses and organizations. I, this week, get to mm-hmm. talk to you mm-hmm. about the Alberta Blue Cross. Excellent. So, you know, life, you know, we all know. Oh, here, we get it. But especially Kyle, it. Dave. Yeah, I knows get it. that life as a business owner can be hectic to say oh, the least. Kyle. Right, Dave? So hectic. I mean, so it's hectic just, over there. Oh my God. Kyle, you have no idea. You know, you you're getting up at what, like ten o'clock, you're falling asleep on your keyboard. I mean, you know, it's oh, it's just so hectic. Dave actually did fall asleep on his keyboard the other day, which is why I referenced that. The Weird Blue Cross understands that. You know, the, the hectic nature of your life. And they offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time and on any device, which makes it life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head on over to ab.bluecross.ca. 
Do you think you could make your son be an employee of you, Dave? You know, it's interesting because uh, when we talk to some business owners, uh, I think that actually happens. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. He, he hasn't learned to pull his weight, but we're working on it. Uh, <laughs> establishing a firm yoke. Did you call him a tomato? It's <laughs> my favorite insult that Mickey says in the first Rocky movie. Gonna, You're yeah. a tomato. That's what he says. All right. Um, Kyle, I don't know how to read this riff, so I'm going to talk about APN. APN? What is APN? No, nope, so you're talking about Pots. ATB. I'm going to talk about ATB. I'm going to talk about ATB. How am I not the other half of this podcast, sorry, Dave? Sorry, I can't. I can't. I'm trying to focus on these uh, point form notes, Jen. I'm, don't I'm don't do the point too. form ones. <laughs> Go down a little bit further to where it actually says riff, because the point form notes don't make any sense. Please Go down keep a little bit all further. of this. You'd think this is the first time I read it, but it's good times. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> this is literally the eighth one in a row. Kyle, <laughs> he still doesn't know where to go. Hectic. Only Alberta Blue Cross understands me. At ATB, we make banking work for you with expert and practical advice in everyday banking and investment planning expertise and management services with ATB Wealth. As it's still, this is all still one sentence. You can be confident that you're making smart choices when it comes to your money. We have a history of doing what's right for our clients, especially when times are tough, because ATB was built to help Albertans. And no one else, I guess, Kyle? Is that? Nope. No. Just for more information, visit atb.com. We can get fired from the APN, right? For doing bad ad reads? I mean, probably. probably. Uh, the fact of the matter is this, uh, people who are still listening, no, that no. however this was edited together, that did take Dave eight minutes. <laughs> I'm, I'm requesting we just leave the whole thing in because <laughs> I think that's important that they hear the truth, Kyle. Uh, okay, well, we have... Just watched Rocky Three, Jen. I'm gonna create a scenario here for you. Let's say that we were <laughs> walking on the beach <laughs> together, and we so excited, we're jumping up and down and grasping onto each other. But then some other beach patron kind of walks beach up to patron. us with like this VHS copy of Rocky Three in their Covered hands, covered in seaweed. As like, I don't even know who Sylvester Stallone is, but like, what is this movie about? Mm. How would you describe what Rocky Three is about? Well, I think Rocky Three answers the question, what happens to a to a hero when a hero has achieved his goal? So like Rocky is really the story of someone who has nothing trying to be something and coming up short. Uh, Rocky Two attempts very poorly to say like what what makes a man's life full in 1979 or right. whatever. Yeah. And then I think there are so many opportunities with Rocky Three to really make characters into characters and make them memorable in mm -hmm. and and to answer the question what happens when a hero achieves his his goal and and what's next for the for, you know for the quintessential hero journey and how can you have fun bringing people to the cinema to enjoy that because I think one of the things that I love about movies of especially the early eighties is that it was really about creating lovable characters. I mean, look at the 80s. Look at everything that John Hughes created. You know, Karate Kid. Yeah, Karate Kid. We really fell in love with these characters and we were invested in their well-being. And I think, you know, it's kind of like the Ferris Bueller treatment of, of Rocky around saying, like, what happens if we put him in a super fun environment, but we give him struggles yet to solve? And I think a lot of people were not done with Rocky. And I think that Rocky 3 really tried to tried to 
to bring Rocky into the mainstream. I, I think, you know, Sylvester Stallone has never has never wavered from his concern that he didn't want Rocky to be a cult film. He always wanted Rocky to be a mainstream film. And I don't think he was satisfied enough that it, you know, was an, an Oscar contender and an Oscar winner. I think he wanted it to be a beloved character of the 80s. And I think that that that's really the impetus of of Rocky Three. And also to use so many steroids to get unnaturally jacked. What that leads to then is, do you think it's successful then? Like, what were your thoughts on rewatching Rocky Three after all these years? Absolutely. I mean, there's a reason why Rocky Three is so often on television and so often watched on buses, like you mentioned, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's such a a warmness of Rocky Three that none of the other films have. And, you know, I think that it really seized its era. I mean, you know, like we don't see Mr. T in films anymore. (laughs) And I think that um, I just think that that it's so culturally iconic for its time. And I think it is I think it is a very successful film. I mean, it still has its its things of the 80s. I, I think that for me it really falls into that category of great cinematography, Mm -hmm. bullshit editing, and then, you know, terrible sound design, but a soundtrack that is everything. And to me, when films can sort of find that sweet spot, they are a quintessential film of the 80s. How about you, Dave? What were your thoughts on Rocky Three? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm gonna have to pick a fight. I, I didn't like it that much, to be honest with you. I can already see Jen shaking her head and, uh, wrapping her, wrapping her fists in in the tape and just like smacking them together, making sure that, uh, the knuckles are well cut. Apparently we do have a boxing ring, so we can, we can sell this. This is not, uh, for me, a bad movie. I just thought it was kind of boring. And I, I think I made the mistake, uh, as Kyle brought up at the intro, of trying to watch these in order because I'm directly comparing it uh, to my favorite movie, One. For me, One is about, yeah, the indomitable spirit, this guy that is so pure and he overcomes the obstacle of, I mean, did it strike either of you? Did you watch Rocky One this week? How dirty Philadelphia was in 1976? When he does his nice. running montage, I mean, that's like, that's pretty heavy that people just lived that way in quote, quote unquote, the great land of America. It's uh, true poverty. So I love mm-hmm. that. It's But in it's this great. film, LA is a shithole. Well, and so the, so the thing is, one, does that. Two, for me, is about uh, corruption. So he gets a taste. I, I, I think he succeeds in one. I think it's a personal victory. I don't characterize the first one as him missing anything, to be honest. That little... Um, scene he has with Adrian and which is like I know I'm going to lose I just want to go 15 rounds I mean that's for me what makes that movie so beautiful and why it should have ended because that was a strong enough message for me as a narrative the second one's like oh he's famous and he thinks that what's going to make him happy is money and it doesn't and the boxing becomes more secondary almost like winning back his pride or something the third one's like hubris uh, it's like I made it I don't have anything better to do with my life, but I feel empty. And then you get this like cartoon character, Mr. T. I mean, the writing is so paper thin. We know nothing about him other than he's probably murdered someone in his past. He just does whatever he can to punch Rocky in the face. Rocky has this sort of like childish reaction where as soon as someone insults him, he's got to go, you know? And uh, I, I don't know. It was like, it started off, I think eight, the Adrian character's the weakest writing of the three movies so far. Uh, she's just oh, invisible. No, she's, got we- she's got weak writing for 
from for the all the films. I think, yeah. And that's a quintessential fact of the matter that there was no women in that writer's room. She's she's never meant to be a, a strong character and, and, and she loses her power and Very never cool. regains it. Yeah. I, I mean, at least in the first one, uh, yeah, I would definitely not say that she uh, is a strong character, but she has enough depth and screen time that we see her pushing against Polly, even though she's losing that battle. And we also see her conflict with wanting Rocky to have a life without having to get his face broken uh, so that they can live together. By three, she doesn't give a fuck. She's just sitting there like, yeah, keep going. Make us more money. Let's keep going. Then he has his little existential problem. She's like, this is the only thing you're good at. Where the first two movies, that is not who she was. She was trying to get him to not fight. So... I think tonally it was kind of weird. I don't know. In the end, I was surprised by how uh, medium I felt after finishing this film. I just felt kind of bored, to be honest with you. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be squarely in the middle of the two of you because I'm definitely not that negative towards this movie, although I'm not like super, <laughs> I don't know, like rah-rah uh, after this as well. Like, I mean, again, I actually also rewatched Rocky 1 and 2 this week, definitely as a comparison to the first film. Of course, it, it it falls short of like that film. I was also struck by, just as a kind of a little side tangent here, the first film, how little boxing there actually is mm -hmm. in the first one. Like it leads up to the boxing match, but it's a love story. Like that's what that whole movie is about is him courting uh, Adrian and like understanding, like wanting to be with her and then in the grime Similarly. of Philadelphia and trying to get money and trying to be better his life so he can, you know, be with this woman. And that's what's so compelling for me about that first movie. And then it also ends in a boxing contest, which, uh, which is fun. That's weird that you say that. Cause I actually think there's really very little boxing in this film in Rocky three. If you what? think about it, they, they do the initial f fight mm -hmm. and that's really just a placeholder for what's happening with Mickey. But the second is the only time in the Rocky franchise they don't go all 15 rounds. They right, only go true. three. Yeah, that's fair. It is, it is one of the yeah, shortest I, fighting sequences. Potentially, yeah. I don't I know about the screen time, actual. though. I mean, they felt like they were shooting those rounds in real time instead of cutting it short. I mean, like the 15th round in Rocky 1 was like 30 seconds. I think they exchanged six punches, I think, and then they fought. Well, the I ground. think Rocky 1 feels more impactful. I'll, I'll agree with mm -hmm. you there. But uh, maybe it's just like there's more times right. that boxing is shown because yeah there's the three bouts essentially whereas in number one it opens with a boxing match that's done very quickly it's him like in the lower leagues mm -hmm. and you don't actually get the another boxing contest until the very very end whereas this one i think there's one at the beginning middle where he loses the championship and he has to regain the championship at the end so it feels more compact this is also shorter than the other two movies so that's also probably part of it where it feels like it's more packed in this is all to say just to, pu just to push back against you, Dave, I'm going to use your words against you because of, I'm going to keep referring to it, your batshit idea about the names of movies that I'm going to continually refer to. This is Rocky Three, and we're talking about 1982. And if you have watched any long-term series of films, um, I'm not saying like we should excuse everything, but at the same time, it's like you kind of know what you're getting into when you're coming into the third film of a franchise. This is not going to be reaching the levels of the first one. It's gotten a, a formula that's probably figured out by this point. And it's just kind of replicating that formula to be as crowd-pleasing as it possibly can be. 
and looking at ratings and looking at the box office and how revered this film is, I think it does its job still to this day. Like I, I, I will reiterate what I said at the beginning of this podcast, where I think that this is an eminently rewatchable film. I think that there are certain scenes that are great, <laughs> that are really fun, while also I do have to admit, like, yes, if you watch this like right in a row with Rocky, Rocky 1 and 2, there are certain plot lines that they just forget about. Like they yeah, completely but, forget about but what you're missing with that is the hype game, right? Like one of the things that MGM always prided itself on with these Rocky films was the idea that Sylvester Stallone was going to put a huge hype game into it. Right. Mm-hmm. So when they decided there's going to be a third film, everybody's like, okay, what's it going to be about? And the indecision well, first of all, like the sheer weight that Sylvester Stallone had to decide what Rocky Three was going to be is something you never see in filmmaking ever. And now in, in today's filmmaking era, maybe a little bit with Tom Cruise. I think he has a lot of sway in right. how films get made. But we, the hype game was crazy. Like if, if you do a deep dive into it, you know that he had said, you know, I want I want a huge boxing star um, to be to be in this. He had his eye on on Leon Spinks. After he fought Muhammad Ali in 78, they thought he would be great to come in and revive the franchise from this Apollo Creed and into someone who was actually a boxer. And that's actually how we met Mr. T. Mr. T was a bodyguard for Leon Spinks and and he wouldn't let Stallone in to meet him. And he was like, why not? And they kind of had an altercation. And then and then years. I have a different story. And then years later, years later. Um, Stallone saw him. Well, this is a story I know. Mm-hmm. Years later, they had a, a reality TV oh, show called the, yeah. America's Toughest Bouncers, and he show he was seeing Mr. T throwing his weight around, and thought, "Yeah, he'd be he'd be great to to do this." But if you watch Stallone's old interviews with Roger Ebert, you know that he discussed totally something different. He was like, "The last fight will take place in Rome." in the Colosseum. Mm -hmm. Have you heard this story? In Rome, in the Colosseum. And he wanted Pope John Paul II to be in it. And he would meet him as the character (laughs) Rocky. And he would be in the Colosseum. And there would be this third final fight. And he says to Roger Ebert, and I quote, if I have the nerve, if I have real nerve, then Rocky should die at the end of this third film. And so that's, you know, where your mind is. Going into this film, I just wanted Jean Paul to like bless his gloves as he goes into the box. I think ring. he had some big vision that this is going to be like such a, and I think that would have made this film so campy. Oh yeah, like like it it is still camp, but I think that you know if you if you understand the hype game of all of the interviews that that he gave about like okay this is the way I want to do it and this is the, this is what I have vision in my mind and I've changed my mind now like there was such a hype game is this going to be a serious film is he going to die at the end you know is he going to fight Apollo Creed again because we know Carl Withers was in this film but mm-hmm. disclosed nothing about his participation in the film right. so you're like oh my god I got to fight again and so I think if you consider the hype game I think that might explain why this film was so different from the other two because the other two really is Rocky part one and Rocky part two and then now this third film is like who is Rocky now how right. does Rocky become beloved? He becomes a, a, a superhero, essentially, at this point. He should have fought in space. That's what the fans wanted. Yeah, and I think to Dave's point, that's also why you have this A and B character construction, which I was going to call black and white character dis- destruction, right. but there's, hard, there's yeah. a lot of... There is a lot of um, racial undertone, obviously, to this film. But I think you have these A and B characters, right? Like, we have our A characters. We have Mickey, Rocky, and Apollo, and they're going to get 
you know, we're going to flesh them out. Like all of a sudden, Mickey has a last name. Right? Yeah, apparently he's Jewish. Apparently he's, he's Jewish. Jewish. Yeah. yeah. And so you've got all of this, you know, you know, Apollo's now going to come full circle and be like, hey, we're not done. And I'm going to take you under my wing. You're going back to the CD gym. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and we invest in those characters. And then by contrast, we don't invest in the other ones. Like we don't give a shit that Polly has to come to term with like racism. Yeah. We just let that go. He never deals with his problems with alcohol. We don't care. Adrian would fall into that category. Her character has no arc. She just finds courage and then loses courage and then has terrible lines of dialogue. And Mr. T also falls into that category. You're right, Dave. We know nothing about him. We also never have Rocky say his name in the film. That's interesting. He never once says Clubber Lang. When he does say Apollo a lot in the yeah. first two. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got any and then he says Drago all the time in the other one. So in, in the fourth one. So you've got this A and B character thing going where the characters that got investment got great investment. They got good strong arcs. They they influence the main character. They move the plot line forward and the rest are just fodder because they were in the other films and he needs an opponent. So doesn't uh, that do? make it a bad movie? <laughs> no, it makes it a Sylvester Stallone film. Yeah, I, well, you this, haven't this is, seen any other ones. So. <laughs> this is, it makes it a Rocky film. The, 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 uh, yeah, I, I, this is the epitome for me of like a messy film. It is so messy, but I end up liking it yeah. <laughs> because a little bit of its messiness. It's like, yeah, there's, there's definitely like a, I'm not here to, to proclaim that this is like a home run of an action film, but I keep coming back. It's like, but uh, there's the, the few boxing sequences that are in this. Pretty fun to watch. Even the Mr. Tisms throughout this thing. Those Apparently, are great. I mean, I Pity the Fool comes from this movie. This comes from, from this, this movie. Film. That's yeah. right. If you, yeah, yeah, everyone thinks it comes from his time on the A-team. No. no, it comes from this film. But I think one of the things I don't want to be left on the cutting room floor here is so often in film franchises like this, we see like opponents to the main character go into the cutting room. Like they just go into carnage. They're just character carnage. And for them to not allow that to happen to Apollo Creed is to me a very fantastic way to write a film. The idea that he returns and he plays a different role and they were once enemies, but now they are comrades in the in the same type of industry and 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 they know each other's hero journey of defeat and and loss. And I just think what they choose to do with Carl's character. What they choose to do with Apollo Creed matters so much in this film. I just mm-hmm. think it is spectacular you amid can, a messy film. You, yeah, you can. What's, what's so fascinating to me, love them or hate them, like these first three films, all written by the same person. Sylvester Stallone writes all of these first three films. So everything that's good, you have to attribute to him. And everything that's bad also has to be attributed to him. But it's fascinating the wild swings in tone here. Even in the Rambo series, the same thing happens. Like it, uh, It's because he's not a good I, director. Well, he didn't direct the first one. He didn't direct the first First Blood. As soon as he takes over, the visual language becomes a little bit cheap. I would agree with that. Although I don't know if I would say I I don't know if I would go so far as to say that he's a bad director. I would say he's like a competent, fine director. But there's nothing special. I don't think about his direction either. But I've seen other directors who I think are actively bad at choosing where to put their camera. Yeah, no, and that's the thing about this movie. I I always want to say it as strong as possible but i mean this is not a bad movie like kyle especially you and i we've watched so many fucking bad movies man like yes like truly (laughs) atrocious so like we're not i'm not i'm not there i'm not trying to say that people ought not to watch it i just was surprised that for a movie that i have seen so many times i just could not engage in it and 
Jen, to your point, you know, anything where Mickey's in it, I'm locked in because Mickey is fucking great. He's hilarious. Oh, and isn't he? The yeah. way that they use such a human touch, that writing is still there. That Rocky writing is still there too. It is. Yeah. Not just have him pass away, but how it affects Rocky, beautiful, right? But mm-hmm. then, I don't know. It's like uh, the rest of it feels a little cheap. Like the training yeah, montage. I, well, I think I part know, of that something... cheapness has to be for the fact that I guess you. you it's could part make... of the film's infrastructure. You like. Well, what if say, we like, didn't have a, a montage? No, we you'd need be like, the this montage. Like a Rocky yeah. film. No, we need the montage. Right. But there's just something about how it's shot that I couldn't. This this is what afflicts um, bands a lot of the time, right? Where they takes they have all the time in the world really to make their first album, and then when they bring out their second one because they have such a short time window from when their first album comes out to when their second one they're not there to be able to refine it necessarily as the way that they want um i think you can feel that rushing that rushness i guess of of two and three where it's like when two ends it's with this huge hit and they're like we need a new rocky film now it's like well here are my ideas i guess we're going to be in production within the next year and a half i bet you anything that if they just said hey take a couple more years and refine this we probably could have gotten there maybe this is making me making excuses you can definitely tell which character stallone loves and loves to write for yeah yeah but but there's also more to it than that because like a like great films also seize the opportunities that are immediately in front of them Mm -hmm. and i think this film you know has a has a few of those moments like they they talk a lot in this film about how they had one take and you can see it you know that scene when they get out of the taxi in la do you guys catch it and the one guy goes, Stallone. Oh, no, I didn't. But. Yeah. And you're like, well, that, you know, some great editing that you missed because you were rushing. <laughs> mm-hmm. The other thing I think that was really missed is that Carl Weathers, who plays Apollo Creed and Mr. T, absolutely hated each other on set. Oh, they really? fought physically. They hated each other. And you can kind of see it like in that one scene where where Apollo comes into the ring and the goes beginning. over to Both Mr. Scenes. T and is yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. hi, how are you? And he like throws his hands away. Uh-huh. He wasn't supposed to do that in the original script. Dave, can you can pull it up? They were supposed to actually tap gloves, but they had a huge knockout fight with each other immediately before that scene was shot. Mm. And I think that there would there was a great opportunity to leverage that into some like daily script supervision where they could have said like, okay, we gotta we gotta we can give a greater imperative than just Apollo Creed understanding Rocky's thought of being a you know geriatric fighter at what 30 what did they say you're washed up at 34 for me at 39 i was like ouch okay all right that's fine i'll just have another just crawl just crawl into this bag of chips there was opportunities to seize it while the film was being made to say like what's what's also organically happening on set and that was seized in the first film there's a lot of ad-libbing there Mm -hmm. but they were really faithful to where they wanted this film to go and i think if they had to your point more time that maybe wouldn't have been wouldn't have been the situation right. now of course that's talking about the movie that is not in front of us that's like that's a wish fulfillment sort of thing I so i mean i have i have great nostalgia for three and four but watching it in this context for this podcast i just like the way that we've spoken about previous films i cannot <laughs> simply suggest that it meant to do better you know sure i'm, I'm still coming down the film i watched and i yeah. d- enjoyed my time watching Rocky three. I'd actually be very curious what you think of Rocky four. If you have not seen that. Yeah. I haven't recently. rewatched it. That one, much like you guys are talking about with this one, I am sure I will accept 
the stupidity of it more willingly just because I grew up with it. But we've also found that off this podcast, but just watching old films, that a lot of them just don't hold up, period. We'll see. I don't know. I, you do uh, get to see Stallone running up a hill with a log on his back. Yeah, so, I man. Mean, everything and that's 2.8% body fat. Oh, yeah. my God. That's just insane. Red. This also brings it back. I, I would really love to know how filming schedules intersected because we brought this up on our rambo series dave it's like it's not like he's not he's in good shape in rambo but he's not as shredded as he is at the end of this film no, so he i want to win first blood first and then yeah. went on a major uh water cut cut or something yeah but you know this is why people uh, uh we hear all these marvel guys want to quit because apparently it just makes you sick all the time to train at this level yeah. didn't and, uh, every, which one of the Chris's said it's like he got to eat a hamburger for the first time in eight years. Probably both of them. I mean, Hugh Jackman complained that he just didn't want to be Wolverine anymore because he couldn't, he just couldn't handle. Upkeep. Um, couldn't but, maintain it. No, it's, yeah. it's sick what they look like. And it's not new. I mean, you look at Stallone. What did we watch in 71? There's some, there's a couple of guys in 71 that are just jacked and actors are stronger than we give them credit for because they are in an industry where they're, you know, using their bodies physically. So often we take for granted what a human you know, male or female is supposed to look like in real life. Uh, but when you get these guys to become action stars, I don't know. It's uh, it's frightening to think about. Uh, Helen was telling me she read, is that Beckham's wife only eats like a steam, unsalted steamed fish like every day. It's, oh. it's fucking gross. gross. But gross. that's... Well, according you know, to Stallone, his diet for this movie was 10 egg whites and a piece of toast every day. That that's for, crazy. That's probably that's for the ate. cut because you can't maintain that muscle mass on that diet. I bet no, that's to, no, yeah. that's probably to shred him from first blood because first blood, his body shape's the same. He just yes. doesn't have any of the lines, right? Like the huge definition that he has. Although I've also heard this is what they used to do for, um, oh my God, uh, who was the second James Bond? Uh, second long running Moore. James Bond. Roger, Roger Moore. Moore. Yeah. Not that he was in this type of shape, but what you would do is you would not drink any water for 24 hours, then get into an ice bath and it would just yep. like tighten everything up. So you like look your best for your, for your and scene. Then you faint, so. mm -hmm. you know? And then you faint and like, actually, yeah, sounds like Friday. Yeah. I, wonder, I wonder if that's why the fight sequence at the end of this film is only two rounds or three rounds. Maybe he just didn't have the stem to shoot potentially on fight. I will say maybe another controversial opinion. For whatever, I've always, always, always loved his little jump up and fall down to his knees moment at the end of this movie. It's, I don't know what it is. It's a just collapse. a small little moment. It's like, yeah, that, that's, because that's it's perfect. so lovable. Yeah, he's just jumping it's up and falls. So he collapses. It's so lovable. Yeah. That's, that's what it is that we love about it. It's so lovable. He probably actually fainted from not eating food. <laughs> probably. That is possibly also what's going on. I just want to bring up a few of the other like first things. We sort of talked about this, but like this is the breakout of Mr. T. Like, mm -hmm. I think first it was in, film. Yeah, he was in another film in 1982, but like this is this is his first. This is considered film. the debut film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I Pity the Fool comes from this film. Um, Eye of the Tiger was written for this movie. Another thing that goes back to my point: What do you think about when you hear Eye of the Tiger? Rocky. That's the yeah. first thing you yeah, think of. Yeah, but the story of how Eye of the Tiger became the song is so <laughs> fucked up. Is this the one that was written for Karate Kid originally? No, no, There's no. There's another no. one that was. No, how it goes is if you're a man named Joe Esposito, you <laughs> need to be laying on a beach somewhere just feeling like you're having the worst day ever. So, <laughs> so buckle up. Joe Esposito writes, you're the best for Rocky Three. Okay. 
And they play it to the montage where Eye of the Tiger ultimately winds up going. And they're just like, this is not right. This is not right. This is not right. And they're like, I don't want it. And the guy's like, well, I wrote it for Rocky Three. It's not going to ever go anywhere. And then Karate Kid was like, is that the, actually you're the it, best around? Yeah, like that, yeah it yeah. goes here. It goes here. And so mm-hmm. the, it gets this total revival where now when people watch Karate Kid, they're like, there's no other song that goes there. Right, right, right. So then- I do not remember music in the Karate Kid. <laughs> so then Survivor- is watching is gonna is is been tapped to do a song for mm. Rocky Three, and they're watching where it goes, and they're hearing the sound. Another one bites the dust by Queen, which of course is the most popular song at the time. And they go back to Stallone and they say it's perfect. You're fighting and you're writing off these fighters, and it's like punch for punch is meeting the beat. And Stallone's like, yeah, it's what I want, but I cannot get the rights to it. Queen will mm. not release the rights to it. Damn, Freddie. And so. So then there's like this, there's this thought around like, like this people, the, the, the band survivor was like, they're just, we can't do it. They go back to him and say, we can't do it. And he's like, we well, got to come up with something. And Eye of the Tiger is what they came up with. And now can you imagine there being something else there? No, like it's, it fits so perfectly to, to the Rocky ethos. Yeah. So the fact that it gets played literally on, in, in every sequel from this movie on. That's like they true. have to have Eye of the Tiger And this. this film is the last time we we hear the original Gonna Fly Now right. by Bill Conti in its original mm-hmm. mixture. It does not come back for four, which I think is to the detriment of four. And it does not come back in all in any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. It tries to in Rocky Balboa, but it's also ultimately a remix of it. Mm-hmm. So if, like, to me, I think we spent a lot of time talking about Eye of the Tiger, but I think Gonna Fly Now and, like, the, the original Bill Conti score. That's the hero here. Movies need to bring back power ballads. I, I'm so afraid to bring this up because I don't want to get into like a 20 minute diatribe. But the other crazy thing is that this is Hulk Hogan coming into a movie as well. Yeah. And as a big wrestling fan, you would think, well, this is probably like at the beginning or the height of uh, Hulkamania and all this type of stuff. It's not like no. he was not in the he was not in the WWF at this point. And lost his job because he was in this film. Correct. Yes. So Vince McMahon Sr. fired him because right. he decided he wanted to do Rocky Three, And there's like, yeah, hit the bricks, buddy. So he's uh, he's fighting in Japan at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, tomato. Yeah, tomato. tomato. Although. You're all washed they, up. What they're kind of referencing may, may not be a direct reference here or not, but. There were these exhibitions where boxers and wrestlers would fight mm-hmm. for real. Yeah. Um, the more famous one being Antonio Inoki versus Muhammad Ali, where Antonio Inoki halfway through is like, I'm going to F him up. Like, I'm going to try and take out Muhammad Ali. Uh, and that's a very tense thing to watch <laughs> when you see him turn. But Antonio Inoki was also like a huge bastard. Like, he's a piece of work. But the fact that this predates even WrestleMania by three years, I think, I don't know. It just like messes with my it's head. It's crazy. That yeah. This is like, uh, and I think Dave and I, you and I were talking about this over text. I actually don't think. Hulk would even do this movie were it were it three years later. No. He yeah. had such a persona at that point yeah. of like the golden boy, like brand. all America. Like there'd be no way he would be in this movie if this was done even two years later. But the bigger question is, would he have even been brought back by Vince McMahon Correct. Jr. into the rebuild of the WWF at that time? Yes. Um, if not for the popularity of no. Rocky Three. No so way. there's the I other side of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the popularity of this movie leads to what was called the uh, American Wrestling Association, the AWA, bringing Hulk in. And then, if you don't know the history of wrestling, when Vince McMahon Jr. comes in, buys the company for his from his dad, and then uh, goes and buys up a bunch of wrestling territory so he can go yeah. national with it, 
Uh, and there was a hit on Vince McMahon Jr. at the time when that happened. Like the mob was going to come Is after that, him. Do you think that's the one? No, the one that Mr. T uh, got hired to do. That person Which actually one? does. Do you know about that? When he was no. a bodyguard, someone sent him uh, an envelope with a hit and asked him to oh. assassinate someone. Wow. Crazy. Could be. That'd be that'd be an interesting confluence of stuff. This would lead, obviously, to the first WrestleMania where Hulk Hogan and Mr. T face off against Rowdy Roddy Piper and, and uh, Paul Orndorff, I think, is who the other two opponents are. So, like, this movie directly brings the two co-stars to headline the very first WrestleMania, which is in itself co- a huge a bit, deal. Co-stars a bit strong. Yeah, co-stars. What's that? Yeah, co-stars. co-stars yikes, yeah. <laughs> uh, what I enjoy about Hulk Hogan's appearance in this film... Is that he's a terrible actor? <laughs> well, yeah, but I enjoy that they have to refer to him as seven feet tall right. when he's only 6'6", six, six, because they lied about Sylvester Stallone's height by That's four true. inches. This so is... anytime they put an opponent in the ring with him, they have to artificially make them bigger yes. because they've Tom Cruised him. They've exactly. made him so seem bigger is than he is. Stallone? He's only like six, five, seven, just, five, six, yeah, five. just almost seven or almost six. I was going to say, okay, sorry, almost six, six but this they is, have to make him taller. This is also a wrestling thing mm-hmm. where people's heights and weights are always kind oh, of fake. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's also like Tinder. <laughs> that is true. That's, wow. even with like Andre, Dave, Tinder wow. is a site that yeah, Kyle yeah. has to go on to find love. <laughs> find love. <laughs> but this yeah, is, I've heard of uh, other sites he's on too. I've also heard about the fish. Is that a real thing, Jen? Do people put pictures of oh. themselves with fish? Yeah, too often. Why too the fuck often. is that a thing? I know we talked There's about last whole, week, we but We have why? a whole podcast yeah, about listen that. Listen to it. You yeah. can hear it. Fucking fish. Um, somebody date Jen and Kyle. I was just going to finish off that point by saying Andre the Giant himself was legitimately seven feet tall, yeah. and they still build him as like seven four or something yeah. like that. It's like, he's still tall, guys. Like, you yeah, don't but have when to you've lied about everybody, you have to yeah, keep yeah. them, you know... Somewhat in the same yeah, thing. Yeah, within... Within context of one another. What really, I, I swear to God, this is my last wrestling point. This is the only time I can bring this up uh, naturally. You're so excited. I just imagine yeah, you last night all nervously writing notes like, oh, I can't bring this up tonight. But uh, if they give is me 10 minutes. Is this too much wrestling stuff? <laughs> I have literally 18 pages of notes I could read, but I'm not going to. No, it's Same like, it. obviously, if you've seen any other movie that Hulk Hogan has been a part of, he's a very bad actor. Mm-hmm. But there is this... Fascinating thing that I have discovered, which is like there's you know acting in a movie, like film acting, but there is also wrestling acting, like what you have it's to not do real? to. <laughs> I know, sorry, Dave. I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep the magic alive here for you. The Easter Bunny is also not real. Just to oh, no. Just to who's laying but, all the chocolate eggs in my house? Yeah, that's right. Don't those tell aren't chocolates. <laughs> Don't eat um, those. <laughs> the, uh, but like within a wrestling match, there is a certain amount of acting that you have to do to like put over your opponent to make the, it look like they're doing like these you know, powerful moves against you. And in that regard, Hulk has always been really good. He's actually one of the better ones. So I don't know why there's no transfer of skills between those two things because it's well, couldn't be more night and day when you see him in a wrestling ring doing his thing versus dema- when he's in front of a camera. The demands of the two acting are fundamentally different. You have True. one where you have to squirm and jump up and down on a mat as though you broke a rib. Mm-hmm. And the other one, you have to look like a human being who has emotions. <laughs> they're they're different. Look at all the guys that made the move over. Even um, Dave Bautista, people like so much. He is not a great actor. He just has also found his space where um, mm-hmm. he can be brooding. Right. But if you put him in a rom-com, like I saw him in a comedy. Stuber. Is that the one? Maybe. And you know, it's, it's fine. Cause he has charisma. Cause he's just this 
giant silicon guy, but I don't know. He's Dave Batista. Same with John Cena and The Rock. They don't do anything outside of their territory. The Rock the, is the same character in every, every film. Movie, yeah. he, they don't even changing his clothes now. No, no. <laughs> that, he doesn't wear actually, clothes. He just that was that was the thing. Is like uh, someone did this. They took the name of the movie off like the last three Rock movies. It says name me which movie this is. It's like, and you, I, can't. you can't. It's like you he's wearing the same well, thing yeah. and in, looking uh, the same way. In Skyscraper, you only had one leg. <laughs> there you go. There you go. He also does his leg drop, which became his finishing maneuver in this movie. Okay. Hogan, yes. So uh, the last thing that this- I did yell out when we were watching it last night. It's like, the leg drop! The right. leg drop! Which, by the way- Stupid. This though. is a fascinating thing. Is Sometimes like the least impactful moves have the worst long-term effects. This is why he's lost two inches of height and can barely walk anymore. Is because he was landing on his spine every single time he did one of those <laughs> leg drops. It really Ridiculous. screwed him up <laughs> over time. The last thing that this um, inspires or brings out is the Rocky statue, mm-hmm. right? They show the Rocky statue, this, which is a real statue that you can go to it in Philadelphia. In yep. They don't have it on the top of the steps anymore. No, it's not on the top of the yeah. steps. That's that's fake in, within the movie, but it is a few blocks away from what uh, I understand. It did it's just go up there the for base. a short period of time. But then got the yeah, art museum true. got really upset by yeah. that? No, like when the film was over. So they commissioned the statue for the film. Yeah. And then they said to the art gallery, we're done. You can have this. And they're like, we don't want this. This is an art. And the people of Philadelphia were like, this is art. This This is is art. And and so then he's like, well, I'm going to fundraise and make like a million bucks to like preserve it or keep it here or whatever. And then they couldn't raise the money. Okay. And so it just became this whole thing around like, okay, well, we got to find a place to put this. And then, so then it, when it had surge of popularity, it went to the top of the stairs and then, cause he runs to the top of the yeah. stairs and then it spent a lot of time below at the, at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And now it's been moved somewhere else and some, some private equity something. firm or yeah. something oh, takes care of it. But there... it's, it, it raised a big, it was like a big point of contention. It I remember apparently. this from my youth when they talked about like, well, they're just, I guess, going to destroy it. And it was like, well, who technically owns it? And then there was a thought that it should go to a Planet Hollywood because, as you know, Sylvester Stallone is deeply invested in those. Do they still exist? Uh, I don't think so, I think, do they? I don't know. I don't know. They did I've up until the- one Planet Hollywood in my entire life. Like, yeah, and they were as of the, the 2000s. They were still open. But I, but it, it really did raise a big controversy around mm-hmm. like what was going to happen because the studio didn't make it. And they- try to do a good job because i think the thought was that it would that philadelphia people would want to keep it and it's funny because locals will tell you people will still look for it at the top of the stairs right they'll run the stairs and then they'll they'll look for it i walked for no reason i ran for Uh, no reason kyle you gotta they, run, you the run up the He's stairs. He's taking those steps <laughs> four at a time. He's That's, going up them. Yikes. Um, yikes. The Planet Hollywood hamburger I had was completely okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all read your Yelp review, Kyle. <laughs> Is Yelp still a thing? Are people still on Yelp? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, rate, I rate that hamburger the same that I rate this movie. Well, you're probably still rating it better than Mr. T's mother. Did you ever hear the story about that? No. So Mr. T comes to the premiere because it's his debut film. And he's quite popular at the time, right? Of course. And he brings his mother. And his mother's like on the red carpet talking about how proud she is of her son. You can Google the interviews. Then they sit in the theater and there's the scene where Mr. T says to Adrian, you know, I bet you stay up late at night and you wait for, you know, to be fulfilled. Why don't you come over to my apartment and I'll, you know, Mm -hmm. make you a woman. Mrs. Mrs. T. Yeah. gets gets up and is like i raised you better it makes a scene mm. i raised you better than to talk to women like that i don't care if it's a script that's not acceptable and walked out do you know her. do you know how they were raised they're 12 kids 
Yeah. In a slum. Yeah, it's crazy. Mr. A, Mr. B, oh, Mr. C. Oh, stop no. it. Do you know why he's named Mr. T? No. When he was growing up, he noticed that his father's grandfather's older brother, even the ones that had served in the army, all the white people called them boy. And he said, right, I don't want to yeah. be called boy. I'm going to make my name Mr. So anybody who calls me has to call me Mr. Look at that. Well, let's do some backstory here then. So this movie opened up on November 21st, 1982. Currently, it's rated 3.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd, 6.8 on IMDb. It has a 57 on Metacritic and on Rotten Tomatoes. From 42 critics, it has a 67%. From 250,000 plus users, it has a 74%. It is available on DVD and Blu-ray. You can purchase it or rent it on iTunes and YouTube. And in Canada, at least, there's no place to stream this. Although... I feel like it was on Netflix for a while, but maybe I'm just making that up. It was. Yeah. No, I think the MGM purchase from oh, that's Amazon. Oh, right. I keep forgetting it all up. Amazon yeah, bought MGM. Right. So, so now it's on it'll Amazon. It'll be on Amazon eventually, I'm sure. It's, it's not, there now. On Prime? I didn't see it. No, yeah. I couldn't find it. You had to rent it, but. Oh, yeah, oh, you got to okay, pay yeah. for it. Yeah, well, then it's not it's, on there. I, yeah, I, it's I, budget I want it for with, free. <laughs> I want it for free. <laughs> Uh, well, not free, advanced speed included. I will argue yeah. that that Rocky films should be free as a cultural icon. Rocky one, like how be, museums yeah. at the Smithsonian are free. My Absolutely. my big my unpopular opinion, probably <laughs> to the people in power. That is to the old fat cats of Your Hollywood. Crime. My thought crime is that every movie that enters the Library of Congress should be free for everyone to watch. Agreed. So that's not a, how is that an unpopular? I'm saying take? a bunch of the fat cats to those people that are running the studios in oh, Hollywood. Oh boy, God. in Hollywood land. When you, you know them. when you when you do post production on these and you listen to the way you speak, Kyle. I mean, what goes through your mind when crack, you? This is this is the honestly the the worst thing in the world. I crack myself up sometimes. I'm like, that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. Way to go, Kyle. Oh, I'm keeping um, that in. I'm keeping that in. Because I talk like I'm a, like a 1950s carnival barker. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> uh, its budget was $17 million. It would go on to make $125 million in North America, $270 million worldwide. Just talk about a return on investment. Huge. Ooh, yeah. The first one was crazy. Two, yeah. Was it, it was made for 84 bucks. Yeah, basically, someone donated that cow and and adjusted for inflation. That the first one makes over a billion dollars, yeah. but like adjusted for inflation, this one makes uh, three hundred eighty four million dollars in North America, eight hundred twenty nine million dollars worldwide. It is the fourth highest grossing film in nineteen eighty two in North America. Its plot description is. Rocky faces the ultimate challenge from a powerful new contender and must turn to a former rival to help regain his throne as the undisputed fighting champion. Oh. And Mickey dies. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not important. Mickey dies. That's not important for us. <laughs> and is Jewish? Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> Can I just say as another side point, that championship belt for boxing oh, is so gross. What an awful looking belt. Well, that's belt. how they used to look. I know, but the ones now are so loves gouty. wrestling as much as you yeah, do. What the, the belts hell? Look amazing. What? Yeah, oh, in the eighties and great. All right, wrap it up. wrap it up, Kyle. The eighties have has the big winged belt, like the classic belt that Hulk Hogan used to wear. Like that's, that's eighty five. That's after eighty five. That's true. Before that, it's the small little rounded one. But the exact same one as this one. Regardless, yeah. Dave and Jen. Now is the time. <laughs> it's everyone's favorite moment of the podcast where we get to play a little game called Guess yes. That yes. Tag. Put on my little blazer here, <laughs> oh, my no. long Bob Barker microphone, and you get to guess what the actual tagline to this film is. Because when you went to a movie theater in 1982, 
and saw that poster of Stallone with a black background wearing his gloves and it yeah. says Rocky Three, Rocky Three, Rocky Three four times, which I think is a mistake, but it says Rocky Three a bunch of times <laughs> yeah. behind him. Yes. There's a little tagline that appears on that poster to entice you to also come and see the movie. So one of these is the actual tagline that appears on that poster. Okay. The two others are completely made up by me. So, Jen, I'm going to get you to try this oh, first. Oh, no. What happens if I don't get this? You are uh. ejected into space. <laughs> um, so, what? is it rising up to the challenge of his rival? Is it, can he go the distance? Or is it the greatest challenge? It's the third one. It's the third one. And I am trusting that nothing is real unless you believe in who you are. <laughs> I believe it's the third one. What is going on? He says on the beach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's what. Uh, yeah, that is what he says right on the beach. Yeah, yeah. He's like, nothing is real if you don't believe. And you that, know, he got that in a fortune cookie yeah, and was like, put that in up. there. That needed a punch up. Uh, Dave, what do you think? Uh, can you read them again, Kyle? Yes. Rising up to the challenge of his rival. Can he go the distance or the greatest challenge? I'm going to go with one. You would be co- incorrect. Jen, you are correct. Yes! So, the greatest challenge. So, what a uh, terrible, the Bill Conti score is playing behind you. You're running up the steps. Yeah. It is a terrible tagline. But regardless, <laughs> that is what the tagline actually was. This stars Sylvester Stallone as Rocky Balboa, Mr. T as Clubber Lang, Talia Shire as Adrian, Burgess Meredith as Mickey, Burt Young as Polly, and Carl Weathers as Creed. Um, we talked about Sylvester Creed. Stallone. You have to be Apollo Creed. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's clear now. right. Yeah. Can I tell you, this is my story about Mr. T. Of course, 80s staple, iconic, has his own like cartoon show, I think, for a while. Did multiple different appearances. I just remember Mr. T being everywhere I was mm-hmm. going. When I was in university, we went to a blockbuster video. Remember those? Yes. I worked at one. It was my very first job. We were... I was employee of the month. My employee number was four. Well, now I can uh, steal your identity. That's fine. I look forward to that. Um, <laughs> we like to do this with, uh, with the girl suite that was right next to us, which was go to the, to the movie store and try and find the either most bizarre ti- title or the one that was like, this has to be like the worst thing, right? And then take it and watch it and see if we were correct. Idle hands. There is. <laughs> there is a Mr. T self-help video nice. that is no. called be somebody or be somebody's fool. Ooh. It is unironically <laughs> one of my on favorite fucking things in the entire world. Tell me why he watch. does not have a podcast named that now. Yes. It should be. You can watch the entirety of this on uh, YouTube. No. There are special guests from, oh my God, what was Bobby Brown's band? Uh, New Edition. New Edition. New Edition shows up and there's other of these musical course. acts. There is this one moment. He's trying to help kids and stuff like that, right? And he's dressed as a doctor. He's like, I'm Dr. T. And he's like, sometimes you have to recoup. Sometimes you make a fool of yourself and you have to recuperate. And then somebody accidentally rips off of his, his jacket and he's like half nude and he's like, uh. And then he starts doing deep knee bends. And I'm like, what am I watching? Wow. <laughs> like, what is this? Uh, and that's the time that Kyle did drugs at summer camp. It is so fun. He yells at a bee for a while. It is what? so funny. And I, at halfway through, I was like, they had to know that what they were making is completely insane. ridiculous and insane. 
And I love it. So be somebody or be somebody's fool. You can watch it on YouTube. It's great. How does he not have a podcast called that? How does someone uh, else not have a podcast called that? Mm-hmm. I'm going to force you to watch it if we ever go to the year 1984. I always forget that Talia Shire is um, Francis Ford Coppola's, Coppola's sister. She's a Coppola, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't think it was his wife. No. Wife. No, sister. Because sister. Uh, she is the mother of uh, Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman. Schwartzman. Right, mm-hmm. right, 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 right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your hated actor, Dave. What's his name? Cage. Cage. Nicholas Cage is her nephew. Right. That's right. Yeah. And then Burgess Meredith. I don't know. I'm. I watched the piece the penguin from Batman. That's how I know <laughs> Burgess Meredith and any other thing. Well, he's Mickey, and also did other films. And also did other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but one of those things being the penguin from the '60s Batman TV show. He's so good. He's I love so good. Uh, I love realizing watching Rocky, the first one, that it's all prosthetics, and he wasn't actually an ex boxer. I really believed. That Mickey was just Mixie. Mickey, an alcoholic, done-up boxer running a gym. I just, I believed it. I honestly think there is such a reason. I mean, again, going back to that first film where almost all these people are nominated for an acting Mm -hmm. award. Like Stallone was, Talia Shire was, uh, Burt Young was, Bridges Meredith was. Yeah. Well, like in the first one too, you know, how do you, man, the writing, how do you put Paulie in a film and it works? He is such know, a piece right? of shit. And he's, he's a piece so of shit aggressive. in this movie, too. I know, like, but it's, <laughs> it's changed. It's, there's something about the like first that could, A character like that would never be written or, today? or, no. or made today. No, same, would, with, same with Adrian. Yeah. Right. You'd never too have offensive. a character like that, no. Well, that, and that's the thing, too, about the first one. It, it's weak in a modern sort of PC context, but it's strong enough. She's such a central figure. I mean, the fact that mm-hmm. he calls out for her instead of worrying about the results of the... Uh, the Ring. I mean, she's right. such a good movie. Such the good cinematography movie. for this movie was done by Bill Butler. His other four films that you might know, his like top four films on IMDb are, of course, Anaconda from 1997. Nice. Ice Cube. Uh, J-Lo. There's Grease in 1978. Oh, the original Grease. The original Grease. Mm-hmm. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in 1975. And also Jaws from 1975. Wow. So he has some... Big I one. think this is why the actual look of the film, we can talk about the, the directing and stuff. The look of the film, I think, is great mm. uh, yes. in this movie. Can I just get a note in that I wanted to say earlier on the look of the film? In a world of the 80s where there was so much early, like, Ken Burns influence right. of, like, pan in, <laughs> pan, pan out, scan, pan, yeah. pan and scan. That scene where Mickey dies and he's laying face to face with Rocky mm. and they make the conscious cinematography choice not to move that camera. Mm-hmm. Not to pan and scan, not to pan in, not to cut away. The only time they cut away after he dies is to Adrian, who you just then realize was in the room. But that scene where Mickey dies and they've got them face to face, I think is magic. I, yeah, think, I think it is magic. That's such a, a thing of the whole Rocky franchise. I think you do have to give a little bit of credit for the director of the first one, John Appleton. By the way, also does the Karate Kid. So there's the mm-hmm. other connection to the Karate Kid where he does a lot of that too. It's like, we're just going to leave the camera and let this scene play out. That happens outside like the montage scenes. A lot of times they just like, let's just let this scene play out. Let's let the emotion play out. We don't need to do any like tight close-ups and like cuts around different takes. Um, anyways, I always appreciate that. When it's like, yeah, let's like lean into the performance here a little bit more written by sylvester stallone directed by sylvester stallone of course so we've kind of gone over a bunch of this stuff here already as far as more backstory goes 
Rocky II is a big success. They go into production fairly quickly after that one. This has the biggest budget of the two previous entries, although Rocky IV would have even more. It would be the highest budgeted of the original uh, five. Those logs don't pay for themselves. That's, that is true. They originally wanted a real boxer for Clubber Lang. Specifically, they wanted Joe Frazier. They That's wanted right. Joe Frazier to be in, in this movie. But as fate would have it, as Jen described, there was this reality TV show that aired in 1980 hosted by Bryant Gumbel called Games People Play, which featured unusual sports competitions, things like beer guzzling and doing belly flops and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But one of the games within this uh, special, I think it was like a weekly thing, uh, was called World's Best Bouncer. This World's Best Bouncer makes him win $3,000, which he donates to charity. He doesn't even keep $3,000, apparently. Was that to a church? Uh, something, yeah, I can't remember what it was. Doesn't he credits that for getting the part in Rocky? He, yeah, uh, this is the whole thing because yeah. I don't know if it was Stallone or someone else sees this program. Like you said, Stallone, I think, had run into him. Before they had run anyways. into each other. They had a pretty iconic meeting right. behind, at a boxing match for for Leon Spinks. I've heard this mm-hmm. story a few times, but then he had left it because he was really committed. This is when he got his 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 mind on Joe Frazier, mm-hmm. and then when he saw him on TV on that show, he was like, I think this might be the guy. And all this other stuff we've talked about here already, but like is released. The general public was really in love with this movie. They really did enjoy yeah, they it. They were ready for another Rocky. For Critics sure. were a bit more mixed as far as like initial reactions oh, go. Surprise, surprise. But <laughs> Eye of the Tiger is nominated for Best Original Song at the Academy Awards. Yes. That year loses, of course, Up Where We Belong from An Officer and a Gentleman. That's what it loses to. <laughs> I actually do think in retrospect, Eye of the Tiger really should have won this year. Of course. Like, it really should have won this year, but. That's right. That's uh, that's it. What we'll, else? We'll find out. Do we want to talk about what else are in your notes there, Jen, that we haven't discussed? I just have one final thought. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe this is the part where I put on my jacket. If Clubber Lang as Mr. T, Mr. T as Clubber Lang is the South Slugger mm-hmm. and Rocky Balboa is the Italian Stallion. What am I? I thought I keep coming on this podcast thinking I'm going to be made a permanent fixture of this podcast. It never happens. So I thought maybe today I would leave with a parting gift. And that's you and Dave giving me a nickname because boxing is so known for its nicknames that now I would like my own ring name. Thank you very much. I will wait now as we deliberate. I I think you should put that. I think you should put that to the uh, listening audience because... How about the podcast pontificator? Ooh. <laughs> like that. I was trying to get usurper into something. <laughs> usurper? Usurper. The oolong usurper? This just reminds me of uh, West Side Story. Or no, um, In the Heights, mm-hmm. where he's like, my name is Usnave. It's mm-hmm. U.S. Navy. My yeah. parents saw it on a boat and believed that that was the that's hope right. for America. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but Dave, you don't have any suggestions? You just want to throw it out to the to the listenership? Yeah, I don't know. Coward. I'm not good at, uh, not good at naming things. I, mean, I don't even have one for Kyle. Tomato. I'm going to start calling you Tomato from now tomato. on. Tomato. 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 Throw that uh, at the end of it. You're a tomato. Tomato. It's amazing to me that... Rocky is so iconic. And of course, we all do like the Adrian. Mm-hmm. But when we have quoted this movie on this rec- mm-hmm. on this podcast today, we have quoted Mickey. All of us. All of us. Well, all of us. Do any of you remember? We're all, well, I was going to say we're all around the same age, but Dave is way older, like way older. Super old. Than, than both of us. Super old. Do you remember the brisk iced tea commercial with Rocky in it? No. 
No. Brisk. No. Again, look it up. It is literally like a Stallone caricature with Mickey. And he's like, I can't do it. He's like, they got your rack. And then he gives him like <laughs> a first case tea. He's like, that's brisk, baby. And then he like starts punching people again. It's, it's wild. It's, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh, I man. love it. Uh, but that was like when I was, I don't know, 14 or 15 years old. <laughs> when that it. was airing on TV. Uh, I, swear to, I swear to God, I'm not making this stuff up. This is actual real things. Cows on, <laughs> on drugs. That's, that's uh, the only takeaway. I, I kind of fear bringing this last point that I had written up. Do it. Just because do it. we are like the worst three people probably to, to talk about this. But Gene Siskel had this point in his own review, which like he was medium on this movie. One of his criticisms was if this movie really wanted to comment on like racial relations, it should have leaned into it more because it's like Club Lang is kind of just uh, it's a cartoon character. A, a cartoon character. Mm-hmm there for the white guy to win over and it's a poor substitute for apollo creed like if you really wanted to lean into this which is mentioned and paulie is there he like sort of talks about it but it it never fully kind of i don't think commits to that being a plot line so i think and it's to either remove it completely or like don't <gasps> don't get into it and that's why gene siskel is dead now <laughs> wow Jesus Christ. wow no, wow. this is the thing that used to drive me crazy about Gene Siskel. Like, I mean, like no one loves Siskel and Ebert more than I did, right? I don't think I ever missed an episode. But one of the things that used to drive me crazy was how Siskel was always like, if you're going to make a slight social commentary, your film has to be about that social commentary commentary he was like the woke brigade before they started and i think that that's ridiculous i think it's okay to be campy about the idea that he's going to a part of of la where he clearly is in the in the race minority and that we can comment on that without the film being about that and that clubber lang can make comments around like you're the champion because everybody got behind you of the champion because you look like what a champion should i don't but now i want my shot that's okay for there to be that line of copy. Just the same as you can have Polly, as Dave said, a drunk, ridiculous, disassociated character that makes no sense in film, say, I don't, I don't like them. And they go, well, maybe they don't like you. And he's like, well, how come? Why not? Why wouldn't they like me? And right. then you can just leave it there. And this is not the first time that Siskel has had this type of complaint on a film in the 80s and especially in the 90s. And I think he's wrong because I think that Rocky was ultimately about the hero's journey and the people he encountered on that journey. I don't think he all of a sudden needed to do what the Sex and the City reboot did, which is mm. demonstrate their apology that they had a film with four Caucasian ladies that now they need to have this larger than life woke element in it to make their show relevant to a new audience. I think it was okay for them to have an experience and not make the film about that experience. I think that's okay. Now, do I think that we should have films that explore this? Yes, I think there's no more important medium in the world than film to to digest and intersect and 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 bring light to inequities and and systemic challenges that we have our our greatest challenges and our most exciting opportunities to be our best selves but i'm not sure that a mr t film in 1982 is where that's going to come from right i think dave do you think it should be more like sex in the city um <laughs> sex in the city is uh like another omen that the world was going to end when that okay, fucking thing like third, was successful. third headless horseman of the apocalypse. Fucking disgusting. I think, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that I agree with Siskel, but I think what I uh, am sort of in alignment is uh, why bring it up in the first place? So if we're going to talk about uh, getting gritty and finding that 
Rocky One passion. I mean, we spent all this time. What's great about Rocky, because it's uh, 76 and not like 1953, is that when you go to the gym in disgusting Philly, it's quite a rainbow of people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a whites only gym. So it's just about poor people. In this film, we go back to Apollo's roots, I guess it was in LA. And uh, they do this scene where it's like this really ratty gym, just like in the first one. It's all black men who are like, just working really hard. If that was it alone, and we just assume that Apollo grew up in the slums of LA, that's fine. But we've put in two problematic things. One is Polly, uh, and he he can be an asshole without being a racist. And number two, uh, we joked about it earlier, but they made Mickey Jewish, which I think is also a little bit of a play on this to just add one more piece of inclusion, because it's not actually important <laughs> or prefaced. It doesn't come out of anywhere. Like, why are we? touching all of these little key points. And I think, I mean, you brought up earlier too, this may have been a bit of a rushed script. Maybe they wanted bigger concepts around it. Maybe pieces were edited out. I have no idea. But I also felt like while watching that scene, you know, it, it struck me as very awful. <laughs> you know, when Polly starts going off about these people and I don't feel comfortable here, I was like, oh man, like, uh, what are they going to do about it? Even the opening scene in the garage. I do think Polly gets even worse in the in the subsequent films, but that's a completely other. Well, that's <laughs> and that's point. the weird thing about how he does work in the first film, and he stops working, but they got to keep him employed for these movies. And I just but again brings us back to those A characters who move the plot right. along, and the B characters who are just there because they're the there flavor. because we can't just kill off everybody. But this is um, like, did Cisco give this a one star? I doubt it. No, it was like yeah. two, and a, two and a half or something yeah. out of four or something like regardless i i do agree with with the mickey thing i i still think that the jewish thing comes out of nowhere and feels weirdly shoehorned into this plot but i do agree with jen in regards to i think the other aspects of this movie i think it's fine just to call, like have that be part of the movie's makeup and not have to go so far into it, it i will say though for the creed movies sure. that i really do like the creed movies they do deal with this pretty up front and be like they do let's talk about this but that's that movie yeah, yeah. That's and they're 40 also years being later right? yeah Correct. they're also being produced a significant period later i think i think what we might be tripping over here is that you know philadelphia in in rocky one really he rocky is a man of the people he goes back to, you know he's in the underground of, of philadelphia and it is like a shithole you know he he comes back to be you know a, a man of the people in the third film Apollo Creed is like, you know, to break down all these barriers of what you've become, we, I have to take you to where I am a man of the people. Right. And it just happens to be in the, in a part of, of LA. And so I think that there's an idea of, of bringing them back to this, you know, to this place that it wasn't all flash, right? right? You know, Mickey even gives the ominous line when they're training for the first fight, which is, can we just go back to the old gym? This is ridiculous. Yeah. So I think there's the idea of, of bringing him back. It's just it's just executed with this poor veneer of race relations that then never gets its time in the sun. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's intentionality, but then there's just, I think, maybe just disappointing execution. Maybe they shot a scene where, you know, Polly gets a bit more comeuppance and it just didn't work. But uh, yeah. he turns to the camera and says, you know what? Racism is bad. Well, you know, when you brought back. up, it reminded yeah, me Why that... wasn't he in the, in the, in the Mr. T special? Yeah. <laughs> Where's Bert Young? Was, we was need a Bert, Bert Young Assange. In the first one, 
that's how Rocky gets the fight, right? Because people, mm -hmm. Apollo's talking about people don't take him seriously because he's a black champion and they don't look right. at him the correct way, right? So he wants to fight a great white hope. I mean, it's all in there. I mean, it's American culture. It's all intertwined in the yeah, way they see the yeah. world. But, but for Siskel yeah. to think that they need to deviate from the Rocky trope to go there, yeah, I think that, he just, that bugs me. Yeah. Yeah. He probably just wanted some closure. That tomato. We're done here. All right. Well, the machine has told us that we do need to wrap things up. So let's uh, go into Critics' Choice. This is the part of the show where we discover what the critics thought at the time this film was released. Except weirdly, Roger Ebert did not write a review for this movie. That's oh, who we've been usually Cisco using here. This to keep his trap shut. Well, he did review it on their TV show, though. Like both of them reviewed oh. it on the TV show. They just okay. don't have a written version of this, which, by the way, basically came down to it's fine, but it's like more of the same. That's basically what his review which boils down to. Which is exactly what people would have wanted. Exactly. So I decided to go into Letterboxd and uh, went to the user Boof65. Excellent. Oh, great. Because if you can't find Roger Ebert. Boof65 is the I next best person. Yeah. I find it difficult to express how much I love this film. Is it better than the original? Probably not. Is it emotionally manipulative? Yep. Is it the most rewatchable installment of the Rocky franchise? Definitely. Is Clubber Lang one of the best bad guys in cinema history? Absolutely. I have the tiger, baby! <laughs> Two exclamation points. 255 likes. I have, uh, I have Jen's uh, ring name. <laughs> yeah, that is actually Jen. She is Boof sixty five. I'm just gonna say that's me. Boof sixty five. Boof sixty five. <laughs> Pauline Kale, on the other hand, um, had a different mm -hmm. <laughs> perspective. She wrote, "Whatever oddball charm and silliness the first Rocky had is long gone. Rocky three starts with the hyped climax of two, and then just keeps going on that level. It's packaged hysteria. The movie really works you over. You're pummeled by the noise and the rock music and the images of bodies being whammed. The pace is accelerated by a crude, hustling shorthand. Montages of Rocky in the ring defending his title against a series of contenders. Rocky doing commercials. Rocky with his family. Rocky's training intercut with his opponent Clubber's training and so on. The first Rocky was primitive in a relatively innocent way. This picture is primitive, but it's also shrewd and empty and inept. This could be the, the review for Rocky 2. <laughs> yeah, actually, probably she just copied and pasted from her Rocky 2 review. I will say I am jealous that uh, Rocky gets to meet uh, Kermit the Frog. That is my <laughs> one thing. But sorry, Dave, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to tell Jen, uh, we are learning that Pauline Kale is pretty unhappy by the time she's writing in 1982. I don't think we've read a positive review yet. She seems... Uh, <laughs> That's funny because that's my rough. complaint about you often, Dave, <laughs> is that you rarely, like, like I'm still, things. I'm still mad about your like, Runaway Bride is a terrible film. And I'm Runaway like, Bride Runaway is Bride is film. not for you, Dave. <laughs> wait, wait until it's you... not for well, you. Well, then what is my rating for? It, it's my rating for me. I mean, this yeah. is the thing that Runaway even Bride on YouTube we get you. into, right? They're like, oh, well, if you don't like Death in Venice, you're an asshole. I'm like, well, I didn't, so... Maybe I am. So <laughs> I am. Fits, I guess. I'm okay Here I am. Wait until you talk about Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Dave will just go off. Yeah, I'm not looking thing. forward to that. Well, well I we, think it is the best film that's ever been made. Jen seething. Whatever that uh, this is going like. to get weird, you guys. I have never seen Fast Times. <gasps> Do you know that? Never seen it. Oh, and I would like an apology because when I was telling you that I've never seen like Schindler's List or Jaws, you were like mortified. And uh, I was those like, are on slightly different. <laughs> this is slightly different. This is like how how hard of a time did I give you, Kyle? That you've never seen Seven Samurai. I mean, I think I was oh weekly God, texting yeah. you. 
Yeah. Every day. Yeah. It's like, fine. You have it on Christmas. I just lied. I said, yeah, you watched it. It's great. Yeah. So fine. <laughs> yeah. That's how you get out of those. People are like, did you watch it? Did you watch it? It's like, I, I can't I've believe never seen Seven Samurai in that movie. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, I get that with Goonies. You've never seen Goonies? And I'm like, yeah, I just watched it. It was good. Oh, yeah, wow. So many Goonies. So, so many, many Goonies. goonies in it. That's a good movie. No, it's That's not. It does not hold up. Any amount of credibility any of you once said is now long gone. This is a great segue. Does this hold up? And is it still culturally relevant? What do you say, Jen? Yes. And anyone who disagrees with me is intolerant. <laughs> wow, that's the word you yeah. use. They, they're well, boof 65. All right. Dave, what do you say? <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. Be brave. Uh, no, I don't think so. Wait, uh, wait, hold up. Culture. No, I, I don't. I don't think it holds up that well. I think it's it can be this, fun if you're nostalgic. But this uh, is where, Dave, I have to totally 100% disagree with you. Like, well, I, I don't know. There's there's two sides of this coin. Does it hold up? I guess that's to the person whether they actually enjoy watching this or not. Mm-hmm. I did. And the I, crop tops. And the crop tops. I don't think that <laughs> there is any way you could argue and say that this isn't culturally relevant. We've just to- told you, like, I pity the fool is from this movie. I have the tiger is from okay. this movie. Like, all of that stuff is infused into the if culture. If you talk to anybody that was born after 1990, how many of them know who Mr. T is? People born after 1990 know who don't exist. People do not know who Mr. T is. People who know who MC Hammer is. People do not know who Mr. MC Hammer is. Because you prevent your child from knowing who Mr. T is. Does not mean that no one knows who Mr. T is. Hey man, I'm just there's a problem with cultural relevance. So so for example, uh, the Rocky theme has cultural relevance. Mm-hmm. You know, you play that even now, people are going to get uh, exhilarated by it, even if they haven't seen the film. It's part of a so a so-called zeitgeist. This is. This is pop filmmaking, man. No way. So long as people are running up those stairs in Philadelphia, I am Rocky right one. and you are wrong. Rocky one. No. Nobody thinks of Rocky It's a whole three. series. He doesn't Rocky run up one, the stairs in the Rocky The popularity three. of he Rocky stands one at the top in a suit. is fueled by the subsequent films, which include three and more. I think three, no. again, three and four are the ones that people think about when they hear Rocky. I, they I just do. I That's what, those are the uh, ones. Oh, man. Oh, man. So oh, in oh, summary, man. welcome to... Kyle and Jen, Jen versus, versus the machine. machine. Kyle, sorry, I finally Kyle did and it. Boof. Kyle and Boof, Boof 65. 65. <laughs> hey, Boof, how's it going? All right. Um, we do need to rate this film. But if, but before we do, that is what Dave, Jen, and I thought. What do you think? You can send any feedback to Kyle and Dave, VS the machine at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle kdvstm uh we eventually will release videos on our youtube channel each week if you want to see the entire list of films that we've watched and the ratings that we've given you can go to our letterboxd page that's letterboxd.com kdvstm and if you want to support us monetarily so that we can continue doing this podcast and not usher in the next apocalypse you can go to our patreon page there's a link in the show notes of this episode. You can support for as low as a dollar per month. Uh, something that you can do for absolutely free, though, is to leave a rating and review on whatever app you use for podcasts. Jen, uh, this is always the awkward part when we have guests on because your rating technically doesn't matter. But if you five. were to us, five out of five, Dave, Boof. is she boofed for Rocky it. Three. She boofed she it. Totally boofed it. <laughs> uh, Dave, what are you going to rate Rocky Three? Uh, I'm going to go with a two and a half. Oh. oh. Mm. Well, this is where our friendship is over, Jen, because I'm not that far off from Dave because I'm giving it a three. I'm kind of right in the middle. I enjoy this movie. I would never turn down a chance to rewatch this movie. But like, again, as compared to other Rocky films, Rocky kind of right is in the middle five. for me. This is this where is... I just want you to insert the sound of a door slamming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so we have to decide then where this officially goes into our list. So Dave, do you think that Rocky Three is better or worse than Night Shift? Oh man, Night Shift made me laugh, Kyle. A stupid. Wait, okay. which one's Night Shift? Is that the Michael Keaton? The Michael one? Keaton. This is the Michael Keaton one. If you can't even remember what film yeah, it is, exactly. I think we have our answer. We have Rocky Three. No, I'm just. I remember the film. I'm just trying to think about it. Uh, whether we liked it. Or <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, what's after Night Shift? Well, there's Night Shift or Losing Ground. Those are the two films that it ties with. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know. I, I'm guessing you want to put it above both. I think so. I, I, again, I always come back to, does this do what it's trying to do better yeah. or worse than yeah, fine. the other two? And I think, I think it that's does. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, Losing Ground was just an intellectual exercise. Yes, anything else? I think yeah. intellectually, Losing Ground is far superior. Yeah, yeah. But... As a movie, I think that All Rocky right. Three is probably better. Let's do that. So what remains in the number one spot thus far? Uh, E.T. E.T. Oh, you guys are terrible at this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, You've never seen E.T., so you can't even comment. That's true. You, wait, wait, Boof. You haven't seen <laughs> E.T., and then you told us that uh, we're failing because That's of right. a movie you haven't seen. I've oh, yeah. seen E.T. Thank okay. you very much. Wait, what's, the, so, what's in second? I don't remember. What's our top uh, three? Das Boot, I think, is two, currently in number two. And then number yes. three was... Okay, but this means that Rocky Three is going to be entering our list at the new number 15 position. So that's right above Losing Ground, right below Conan the Barbarian is where mm. it's going to be going. Mm. So we should find out what we're watching here next week. I'm going to push this button here. Looks like we're staying in sequels, so this is the third movie of the Rocky franchise. Next time, we're going to be seeing the second film of the Death Wish franchise, Death Wish <laughs> 2. And I'm not looking forward to it because uh, those movies look awful. But we'll see. <laughs> we shall well, see you if like I'm Dirty correct. Harry, alert. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but Dirty Harry at least had a semblance of a uh, confidence. And had Clint. And had Clint. We're going to go to Say Charles what you will about Clint Eastwood. He knows how to uh, be a movie star. <laughs> Sorry. Mr. Bronson. Movies need to bring back power ballads.